We at Evolution, we provide tech freelancers across the Nordics with a focus on Copenhagen, Helsinki and uh, Stockholm. Part of doing that and the way we do that is to add value to those communities by providing leading edge content, speaking with thought leaders and making sure we're adding value to the, the communities we're actually ultimately dealing with. So let's make sure everyone can comment. That's perfect. Uh, Soren, how are you doing? Doing wonderfully. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? Very good indeed. Uh, just enjoying my merch mug uh, and live yeah. in Copenhagen. We're in the same room. Um, so, Soren, I suppose for um, hopefully there'll be some listeners that actually already know you. Uh, we've got 70 people signed up, so a really nice audience. But for people who don't know you, could you give us your introduction, please? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I'm Sean. Uh, I am uh, heading up uh, two teams here in the Maersk organization currently. One is the uh, data science and experimentation team on Maersk.com. That team is building experimentation capabilities as well as uh, so general experimentation capabilities for, for the experiments that we run on that platform, uh, as well as, as personalization. So, uh, you know, customer level data signals, but also recommendation models and, and things of that nature. The other team is, is say, a sister team to the first one. It's for another digital platform that we have called Twill, which targets a specific customer segment, namely the small cargo-owning customers. They have, uh, they are the closest to, uh, say, a, a B2C type setup. And so, uh, as you guys will probably experience from from your own uh, interactions being on the other side of of, of B2C setups, uh, there is a different set of. Uh, of say needs as a customer in those in those situations. However, once we think about the data science part of things and the data part of things, it's it's actually quite related to to the setup in the first team. As I said, I'm I'm heading up these teams, and so uh, my day to day is a lot about thinking about how can we best add value, what are we trying to uh, what are we trying to get to, and of course, unblock, help the team accelerate, and, and things of those natures. Uh, I am a an engineer and a scientist by training, and so I've been doing like the, the actual coding for, for, for quite some years and, and have more recently shifted over more to, to management uh, roles. Um, I think what that perhaps offers me and, and also with the, for the context of this conversation is I have experience with both sides of the table. And Soren, you me, well, there's uh, a few people at Evolution that spoke to you before, Soren. Why was this a passion of yours? No, that's a very good question. I, so... I'll use a personal story to uh, to motivate this. So uh, initially, I you know I, I studied I studied engineering I studied science stuck around did a PhD and what eventually I found was that I really felt a need to create impact in in the real world and I ended up shifting away from the academic side coming over to industry and I've as I said before worked in industry now for whatever ten years almost. Um, one of the driving factors for me was that in academia, you do a lot of beautiful things, theories, models, but making impact with those, having those actually help other people or, or put be put in situations where people derive value from that uh, was what I was missing. Uh, and that's also what I see here with, with MLOps, obviously having worked in the space for a while. I think uh, those of us who've done so know that building a model is actually the easiest part but taking that to a, a production setup where people can rely on it is requires a lot of additional effort. Um, so to me, it, it sort of mirrors personal interest and sort of personal, deep personal motivation. So that's why I, this, this particular domain is one which I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very uh, passionate about. 
Okay, and I suppose for for people who might have uh, joined us and don't know what MLOps is, what is it? Why is it important? So that's a, that's a great question, right? So um, MLOps, very bluntly, is saying is, is machine learning operations. It's a, it's an abbreviation, uh, and it is say the combination. In my definition, at least, it's a combination of mindset and practices to do uh, machine learning uh, for production. So similar to how you have a DevOps and which is, you know, another say combination of mindset and tooling, MLOps is, is the same or say the extended version of, of DevOps but, but targeting machine learning. Now that was just a very say, basic definition of, of what is MLOps. The second part of, or the second part of your question of why is it important? Um, I think I'll take a step back. I'll say the most important thing I think many organizations have come to this realization over the, the past decade or so is that, as I said at the top, building a model is actually pretty easy, right? It's in the sense that, you know, from a, from a, from a, from an actual development perspective, that's easy. The hard part is how do we take that model? How do we put that into production? How do we consistently, how can we, what are the things we need to do to ensure that we can rely on this for whatever outcome it is that we're trying to do? Like these models, we always we build them because we want to either make a prediction about the future or to inform decisions right so really to to any institution whether that's a company whether that's a government agency frankly whether that's an academic setting the the real question very very quickly is going to be in order for you to develop or to to drive value is can i rely on that that output from that model right mlops is the set of tools mindsets and principles that allow you to answer yes to that question right now, um, what do you need to do, or why is it, then, then the, the, I guess the follow-up question of, of why is it important is, uh, well, obviously if you don't, it's hard to, to then actually rely on, uh, on to know with, with, comfort, with, with any degree of certainty that you can, you can rely on, uh, on these models, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll double-click on what I said before about being a mindset and a set of tools. I think that's also an important part of this. Um, the mindset part is that you need to be able to rely on your models. And where this, where I think where we see tensions in this is that organizations can get caught up in thinking the hard part is, is building the model. We need to get people that know how to build models, which is true. That is a certainly a rate limiting factor and a bottleneck if you don't have those capabilities. But what you're going to find over time is that if you don't have the right setup that allows you to take those models to production, to understand whether or not you can rely on them, monitor that performance, you're not going to be able to actually trust, nobody's in your organization is going to be able to trust that the output from the models are actually trustworthy or actually something that we can we can truly rely on. And, and therefore the whole uh, initiative very quickly loses value unless we can, we can put up bounds and guarantees on those uh, on those parts. Why then, Soren, do you think the conversation seems to be dominated by the tech side of MLOps, even on the ground level and even in, at the sea level sometimes? Why is it dominated by tech rather than focusing on culture? So that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I guess the, um, so obviously what I'm, what I'm about to say is it's a very personal opinion. I think it's because, uh, it's still fluffy. It's still uncertain to most organization. Like they, the, the whole machine learning thing is, is, is hard, is intangible, right? You, you get these people, you call them data scientists, machine learning engineers, and, and they do it, right? Uh, and, and that's kind of the, the, the point, I think, or the meta point is that if you're, 
if you're taking people who are in typically individual contributor engineering type roles and asking them to also be responsible for everything else, then obviously they're going to bring a certain biased perspective to that conversation. So back to, to your question of why is it, why is it a, a, a technical or typically driven by, by a technical uh, uh, conversation or a technical part of the organization? I think that's because typically that's where you see the most maturity with these types of technologies. And I think we shouldn't discourage the fact or it doesn't discount the fact that most people that, that are in, in these, these roles, data scientist roles, are obviously very focused on creating quality products that serve their customers. They understand the importance of building these capabilities, but they sometimes, I think, have a hard time articulating to their senior leaders why this is important. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest, I've been in these situations myself, right? It's, it can be, there's a very significant uh, difference in frame of, of reference speaking to fellow engineers versus senior executives who are concerned with something very different, right? They're concerned with driving whatever objectives they have, whether that be increased sales or customer acquisition or whatever the case may be, right? So I think there, there's there's simply a, a, a learning barrier or sorry, a language barrier on the one side. And secondly, there's, a, there's again, a lack of maturity or not yet well enough developed maturity uh, across both sides for understanding how how machine learning requires specific or, or special treatment uh, to be taken to production. Do you, do you think there's an element of getting caught up in the hype of even even the abbreviation ML, AI, adding ops to it, bringing it together? Do you think, especially I'm in recruitment and I see companies wanting to just put the phrase ML ops or AI in their job specs, do you think we're still getting caught up in it and it's masking what's the really important issues to people, the culture within that. I, I think so. And I think there's there's even, so what I would argue is that often the biggest challenge with anything ML, even an ML adjacent, let's say anything adjacent to this domain, analytics most very broadly defined is that we often start from, very often at least, you can start from the question of saying, what there must be value in the data that we have. What is the value we can derive? Let's get people who know how to do that. Right. And then we throw in more and more buzzwords, and, and, and obviously that can, that can be great, uh, at least in the short term. But then you very quickly hit this, this challenge that says, well, we identify pockets of value, but how do we actually embed that into our, again, organization in such a way that we can really drive value? And often, again, because what these technologies do is they either uh, automate or, or improve or, or, or enhance decision-making processes. And so you quickly come back to this point that I made before that you need to be able to rely on that to really drive that value. And to me, that really is a product question, most of all, to say, how can we ensure that throughout the entire lifetime and the entire span of, of that product, are we doing the right thing? Are we delivering the value? And, and I think this, this product mindset towards these, these analytics products is, is often the missing link. Uh, at least, again, based on, on personal experience, this is the maturity uh, journey that I've seen uh, in a couple of different instances that the further along you get on that journey as an organization, the better you are at understanding how to articulate your needs. And then, as again, as you grow in your maturity, you also realize that, that often the, the technology choices are typically secondary, right? It's, it's about how do we set ourselves up to be able to deliver that value. So again, I think, and you, you mentioned this thing about being, let's say, very dependent or sometimes like using certain buzzwords, et, et cetera, right? I think, um, again, 
when you are not fully matured, you don't really know what's important and what's not. And I guess you tend to then use the buzzwords so you can attract the very the very talented people who know what that means and hopefully they can teach you, right? You are totally right. There's still an element of you've, you've got to let these people be excited in what they're doing and then bring it back to actually why we're doing this, setting a culture. There's something um, really interesting conversation already, so I appreciate your input. You mentioned um, some of the senior stakeholders before, yeah, and how you speak to them. With ML, um, with MLOps environments, yeah, machine learning models, throwing that into production, how do we ensure quality? So that, again, is, is a super good uh, question, right? So <clears throat> I think perhaps um, the way to... Um, to think about this and perhaps just formulate sort of the, the whole MLOps thing um, uh, a little more uh, concretely, or, or just to, to define that a little bit. I think I think what's important to think about is what are the capabilities that you need for your ML setup to be able to deliver these these things, right? And what I see at least is that you need to be able to like fundamentally the things you need to be able to do is you need to be able to uh, experiment in production with your models. Right. You need to be able to, to take your model, put them into production, learn from that whether or not the model works, and then either roll back or, or keep, keep going, right? Which sort of have the, the additional capability requirement that you need to be able to iterate quickly, right? Now, uh, finally, you also need to be able to understand performance. How are you doing? Is it, is it consistently high? Is it, is it reducing? So you have that feedback mechanism in there as well. Like these, are the, these, to me, are the basic capabilities that you need to do. Once you have that... Or once you can agree to that, and people will likely see it differently than I do on some of these parameters, uh, then that sort of feeds to your next level of what are then the the steps or the the, the actual things that you're that you, that you need to be able to support, and and that to me is that you need to be able to uh, uh, you know retrain easily. So you need to have automation in place that does that. You need to be able to have your to understand your data generating process and control that well enough that you can ensure some ideally pretty high levels of consistency in how that data comes in. You need to be able to, after you've retrained, you need to be able to push that model to a production state really quickly. You need to be able to uh, manage your and, and configure and orchestrate all the different components of the system. You need to be able to monitor the performance. You need to be able to know uh, once you're serving it, what is the what's the actual performance you're getting in, in terms of comparing what is the actual value that, that eventually materialized for your for whatever the data point you're trying to, to say something about versus what did you predict or or infer from 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 your model. And then you need to be able to automate those 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 feedback mechanisms so that whatever uh, discrepancy you have, you can you can feed that back to a to a retraining setup, right? Sorry. Um when f- there'll be a lot of our listeners right now, some would be working for larger organizations like the Maersk. Um, some would be working at start uh, startups, some SMEs in between. How is that process there? I mean, first of all, you say, listen, we've got, you need to be able to make mistakes. Yeah, ML and mistakes going together. Some C-level people have already turned off and they're not watching the show anymore, right? Sca- some people would be scared of that, right? How do you think that what you've talked about there works across startups to SMEs to Maersk? So I don't have direct startup experience myself. So I, whatever I can, I can, whatever I can offer there will be anecdotal at best. Let me just get that out of the way. Uh, now, 
I think uh, I think a lot of this comes down to how critical is the initiative to the to the mission of the organization. I think generally that that's that's that more than than the actual size of the company determines uh, how you're able to have those conversations with your with your senior leaders. If this is one of those things where it's like we have a lot of data, we think there might be value, let's go play. I think you know that doesn't sound like something that's super high on the agenda, right? So eventually that will lose interest unless you find these nuggets or these 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 hidden uh, uh, value pockets that you were not aware of. Um, and in that case, I think it's probably hard to sustain your your the interest of your senior leaders. Uh, flipping the question around, saying when do you then sustain that that interest? That is again to me what I call the product question. For is is making sure, or in, whenever you're working on these problems, which are fundamental to what the company is trying to achieve, or at least is a significant is is contributing to significant goals of the company. That's when you're probably going to see continued investment and interest from your your senior executives. And I imagine that's the case both for for smaller companies, startup, whether they're startup, they're scale ups, or even to, towards larger organizations. Uh, and 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 certainly, what I can reflect on here at at Marisk is that, um, you know, for 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 context, Marisk is, is was a traditional shipping is a traditional shipping company, but has made very significant investments to to build out a very strong technology function uh, over the past five six years uh, with the with the aspiration, I think, articulated aspiration to be as strong on the digital side as we are on on the, the actual physical execution of, of transportation and logistics. Uh, and here, for us, the stuff that we do, we do because that directly contributes to the overall mission of the company. And so our senior leaders are very much focused on holding us accountable for the outcomes that we're delivering. And so for us, uh, MLOps and other initiatives for that matter are, are being uh, scrutinized by senior leaders at regular cadences. So. Actually, they don't care about MLOps. They care about our models being good, which we then, in, 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 you know, which we then take back and say, if that is to happen, especially if it, hap- it is to happen for all the models we're trying to build across the company, we need to have centralized capabilities that support that. And as the you mentioned there, centralized. Yeah, could you see MLOps being incorporated into every team, or do you just keep it as a central hub at the moment? Sorry. Oh, so this is this is a really interesting question. I think. Uh, I can reflect on sort of the journey that we've been on as a company, right? Um, going back some some years, right? There, I say, I say that the as we have evolved in our digital maturity, we've had uh, an expanding number of teams who have undertaken undertaken uh, machine learning and 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 say uh, analytics again broadly defined activities that have some rel- or some some reliance on machine learning and therefore starts getting into the space where we need to retrain and where. MLOps becomes relevant. Uh, that in, that has been very much like the focus has been driven very much by deliverables within those specific functional areas. So, for instance, like land side transport, which is basically like for us, land side transportation is a different area to ocean transportation, for instance. Some of the land side teams have developed some some solutions that have naturally depended on machine learning. The same for ocean, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and initially, that was those were developed in pockets. And with that, you say the maturity and the general understanding within the company has evolved. And we're now getting to a point where, where we see that there are so many teams who are starting to do this, that there becomes a, it becomes a simple economies of scale question saying that there's a lot of benefit to centralizing your initiatives. But I think it's, again, it's, it's sort of been a natural evolution. And I imagine that, that you could take other 
approaches to this as a company. Of course, if you have a very strong vision that this is a particular domain that you want to to, to, to grow in very, uh, uh, like for, for strategic reasons, of course, you could go ahead and build the capabilities to begin with. Um, but again, I think it also depends on on, on a lot of additional uh, say, factors uh, for your particular company and setup. So, so could you see Maersk moving to an almost embedded model where it's necessary? Or do you see big centralized team in the future? So I think, I think, you know, that's, that's another great question. I think this is, uh, I I would, I would separate, uh, capability, the MLOps capability from, from the team setup. And I think the MLOps capability, we are likely going to centralize, uh, because there's a, again, there's a scale benefit from that. Whereas, uh, the, uh, the teams themselves, I think will, will remain uh, uh, close to to the actual problems they're trying to solve, and so think of it similar to how you would in in, in many I think many of our listeners will probably be be of technical backgrounds so will know how we how you typically leverage things like a CI/CD type setup for for partial development pipelines, right? Most companies have a single framework for that that all teams will depend on, and I and that's kind of the mindset that I think we will evolve to for MLOps, where we have a centralized uh, system to support or centralized framework to support this, but being deployed by or employed by by individual teams. You don't need to go into detail, but how have the results been? Is it working? Is it just talk us through that? Um, so, oh, that's that's a really interesting question, right? So, I have I have my observations and my experiences. Uh, I would stress that other teams surely have their own observations and and will likely give you a different perspective when asked. I think that's that's an important meta message uh in any case um when i first started doing this almost 10 years ago we had nothing that nothing related to mlops right so this was the the you know the wild west the early jungle uh there is some data that's what you can drive from that i happened to be on a project that uh that where we were delivering uh something that had business value and so the you know the actual productionization challenge became one that we had to face uh pretty quickly after I actually started doing the work. Uh, and there was nothing, there was no support of any kind. Uh, it was really just our own, let's say, uh, ambitions to build things that that mattered and that, that continued to work, uh, that drove us to then cut corners and, and, and try to, to build out some of these capabilities using the best of our abilities at the time. And also, mind you, this was almost 10 years ago, so the, the available tool stack was, was much less sophisticated than what you see now. Um, over time, right, I've seen how in, in the company we have matured more and more. And then, uh, again, as I've mentioned, we've seen that developments in different pockets have sort of emerged and mushroomed, and, and we've been able to leverage those developments. And and, and so uh, as we now proceed, um, I see we, we're essentially going to centralize more and more of this um, from, the, from the perspective of the teams that are involved. And now I have to sort of switch to manager gear because I'm not hands-on anymore. But for the perspective of the teams, uh, the ambition is very much that this becomes much easier, much less of a hassle. Uh, you shouldn't need to have a full team that supports your dedicated infrastructure tool stack, et cetera, uh, for you to, as a, as, a, as a team, deploy your machine learning model. So essentially, think of it as having more and more of a scaffold you can stand on when you're doing this, where you can just focus on the actual modeling part, except for everything else. I'm just looking at the questions that are coming in and thanks everyone for typing the questions. I'll try and I saw some of them anyway, but even the questions coming in, it seems ML 
ops is, I mean, half the questions coming in are on ethical considerations, morality, ethical, uh, and the other half are on which tech, yeah. <laughs> Just before like, we go into these questions and you and me really wanted to focus on the culture, how did you manage to, and you might have already answered this, but I'm really keen on understanding, how did you manage to um, sound out the noise of the ethics of that, uh, the cool tech that's being used, and really come down to culture being the most important part of this? Wow. So this would have been great if I just had like a answer like this, right? And and I don't. Um, I so I think that the clearly this is a super hard question. And what I also need to stress here is that in Maersk we actually have a team that focuses on data ethics in general, which we've been collaborating with, and who also, by the way, have very have taken a very strong role in making sure that that we are uh, supporting those uh, those considerations as well. So I certainly cannot take any any credit for for that particular part. Um, having said that, I think we've been fortunate that we've had people who have done this before and we've had teams that have been successful in deploying it. So that gives you, you know, automatically gives you much more credibility, uh, in, in these conversations. We've tried to bring in everybody who had opinions and help and, and sort of form and shape a, a way forward. But, but to your point, it is, uh, what you will find is typically that at least in an organization of the the shape and diversity, the shape of ours or the size of ours, with the diversity of, of, of projects and, and problems teams are trying to solve, what one team considers very important is going to be very different from another. Let me give you a very concrete example that, that I think a lot of our listeners will probably be familiar with. Uh, different models, different types of machine learning models will need to be served in different ways. Some things you can just produce a batch outcome once a day and and let other teams consume it. That, that's something like a forecast, for instance, right? People typically don't need five minutes, updates every five minutes on the forecast. It can happen once a day or once a week or whatever so is a natural cadence for that particular case. Uh, on the other hand, if you're thinking about a recommendation system that's that's live on a, on a website, right? That recommendation system needs to, you need to be able to ping that and it needs to be able to come back with a response to what do we recommend for customer action situation, why? within milliseconds, right? So that's a very different type of solution. This is in, both of these are in the serving layer. So do you do a batch serving or an online serving? If you look at teams that have been focused solely on batch learning, they're, they're, the problems they have had in, a, in an MLOps setting will not be catering necessarily to this online serving part. Conversely, people who have been working solely on the online serving part may have neglected some of the things that say a, a large scale forecasting setup will have required, right? So uh, we've tried to get everybody to, together and, and provide this input, uh, but also try to sort of weed out what is that, 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 uh, that, that common skeleton that will still support a variety of use cases. Secondly, perhaps to, to the other part of the question, we recognize and coming back to the culture aspect. So culture is, there's multiple levels of culture also, right? You have culture in terms of uh, tech folks versus versus managers or, or or senior executives or people who bring more of a business perspective, but then you also have uh, cultures um, like within different teams, right? Different teams have, have different uh, sets of of, of, uh, of requirements, as I talked about before, and that can very easily. And you also spoke to this thing about you, know, you can have perhaps sometimes entrenched uh, debates over one tool versus the other. Uh, what we're trying to do here is say 
we we essentially think about this as a as an open as an we call it inner source, but you know, like open source for internal use where everybody can come in, contribute their ideas. If it improves the overall system, well, we just go with it, right? Uh, we add that to the stack and we continue. So MLOps team, yeah, for people who think it's some alien world, you give us some insight. Is it, if you walked in a room and saw a standard agile software engineering team and an MLOps team, what would be the differences? Are you just just to be clear? You're thinking about like the team to develop the framework, or a team that's leveraging a framework? Um, a bit of both, really. I'm just talking <laughs> about MLOps. Yeah, again, okay. it, it, it's got this. Uh, everyone's quite excited. Where's the MLOps team? Yeah, are you are you super agile? Yeah, have you got your Kanban boards? Yeah, is it just another area? And I'm also into interesting type in terms of, and there's a couple of questions on this, is. What type of people do you recruit into MLOps? Is it people with four or five years MLOps experience, or are you looking for a certain type of person? So, what's it like on a day-to-day basis as a team? Is there any differences to a, a software engineering team, right? That you can see doing processes, agile, etc. And then, likewise, how do people get into an MLOps team? Okay, so this is an interesting conversation, and again, unfortunately, or interesting question, and and again, unfortunately, I have to stress, I'm actually not running our MLOps team, so I'm I'm only sort of a bystander to that, but I'll try to to explain what uh, as much as I can. Um, I think the uh, an important uh, first sort of uh, distinction is to say that agile and ML or MLOps, those are two complete different, let's say, orthogonal or at least different axes to evaluate on. You can you can surely have uh, product teams that develop machine learning products and MLOps teams that follow uh, that 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 would follow either an agile or a a non-agile setup, whether that's waterfall or something completely third, right? So I think that that's the first distinction that needs to be very clear. Now, uh, in MLOps, I stressed before the ability to iterate quickly, right? So that obviously speeds speaks to an agile setup, but I actually I think I think. It, to me, it's more about how do you how do you de-risk whatever you're trying to do as much as possible, right? Again, you would some would argue that's part of of the agile mindset for sure. Uh, but I think you could also I could also see where this, you could use this in a waterfall setup, but even try to use these types of take these types of approaches to de-risk whatever you're trying to do. Now that was kind of one just sort of preface to to the answer. On to the actual question: um, what, what would a team look like? I think if we're thinking about a product team. Then this would, uh, depending on what you're building, this would typically be a cross-functional product team comprised of, of, of software engineers, data engineers, uh, data scientists, or machine learning engineers, and the and a product manager, uh, so that the team can be end-to-end responsible. I think that's the ideal setup. And again, this is this is personal preference, not something that's written in stone. Um, so to become a member or to, to get into such a team and, and be a member that 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 a technical contributor that builds out these products, you would. Well, you need to, to have skills in some of those domains and, and be able to function in such a team. So similar to, to other setups. Now, coming back then over to the final part of your question about what would an, then an, an MLOps team look like? Uh, and this is where I need to stress that I am not in the team and I'm so this will be more, more anecdotal in nature. Um, but MLOps tooling really is, is, is similar to other internal tools uh in the sense that this is uh this is a lot about uh having well assuming you're there's something you're partly building yourself and not just relying on what's available out of the box and some of the major cloud providers uh you will have a team that needs to 
uh, build and orchestrate a, a tool stack that will run on the on, on some infrastructure. And so to make things easy, what will, what you will typically need to have happen is that, that your teams need to be able to easily access the data, easily need to be able to explore it, build a model and push that to a production type setup that needs to be able to track performance, needs to be able to have these, uh, you know, the, the CI, CD automations, all that sort of stuff, you need to be able to find retraining. Um, a lot of this really comes down to how do you build good integrations and, and are able to maintain, you know, state and stuff like that throughout this, this different part. Now, this was a little bit long-winded, but the people who are typically best at doing this are software engineers and data engineers, um, as far as I can tell. But I'm sure there's a lot of data scientists that are really strong and, and could do this as well. Uh, but I think the mindset there is a little different because in an, at least in a pure ML ops team, what you're building is infrastructure for other people to use. And so there's also a question of, do you find that motivating and interesting? Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, I think you touched on this earlier. Yeah. And I don't know whether we've evolved in this process, but how should companies, um, what was it about five years ago people using ml ml models ai strategies um just because they thought they needed to right it was literally people had budgets for it as well which was crazy i remember that time people asking for consultants and they didn't really know what they wanted them for next two months later our consultants were like doing here right um and it seems like we've evolved into a much more mature mature model but how do companies, how how do companies, how should they be measuring the success of their ML models and, and, and teams? That's another great question. So I think if we completely just remove the ML part and just say you have a you have a team that's building a product, that product's trying to solve a problem. I think that's that's essentially the the, the, the toy model to, to be that, that we need to work with here. Under that construct, um, the problem whatever it may be, will typically have some objectives it's trying to, to reach. And this obviously ties into to the whole, say, uh, product maturity and then go-to-market plan, whatever that, that the, the product management team for, for that product has developed. Um, along from that, you should very easily be able to, to derive some, some outcomes you're trying to, uh, to push forward with ideally some targets. And that, that's how I would, I would look at measuring the success. So again, to give you a concrete example, um, what could we think of? I guess we can we can think of probably a, a recommendation system somewhere, right? Uh, I'm not necessarily drawing on on specific experiences from within Maris, but I think if, even if you look to Amazon or some of the companies who've been doing this for 20 years, what I'm about to say, I'm sure, also applies to them. Right, these companies, why do they build? Why do they? Why do we have recommendation systems on on Amazon in the first place? Right, we do so because Amazon has basically an almost infinite catalog that surely runs in the millions of items, probably also in the tens of millions of items. And there's no way any of us is going to know how to get to exactly the item that we need if we just go to the to their website and start searching, right? So they've figured out that there was sort of a, a big issue with getting people to the stuff that they needed, right? And so recommendation systems are really a way to try to infer customer interest in that situation from essentially what other customers have have fun from the actions other customers have done now if we again you know abstract away the machine learning part and say what do you have well you have a black box and that black box says i'm trying to essentially increase sales or increase likelihood that that that, that, a, that a that a session ends in a sale from that you could directly derive a success metric let's just take the second one on 
on likelihood that it ends in a sale. Then you can look at how many sessions end in a sale, and you should be able to see that that number or that fraction increases over time as you deploy your your machine learning. Uh, in this case, your recommender system. But is this in the assumption that the ML ML model will produce and achieve a high result? Yeah. So if we're going for X using that the current way of doing it, or we're thinking about introducing ML, is that like um, a sign that you double the target, for example? Yeah. It's, or can we use some of the old stuff? So I would say ML is just one tool in the box, right? There can be a whole bunch of other tools, and and picking the right tool to help you increase whatever metric or drive forward whatever metric you're interested in that that really is is, is part of this this what i call the product management question right which is understand the problem overall get as deep as you can and understand the dynamics within the problem and then from there deduce what are the the steps that are most likely to move the needle in the direction that you want ideally move the needle the most right um so i guess another thing we could have done another thing amazon could have done right is you could have had a very, 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 very large workforce of customer service agents. You could call up and say, I'm looking for a book. And that book is, I need, I, I want a book about how to cook alligators to pick something completely random, right? And, and then they can say, okay, well, we have this one that's called uh, Cajun food. So would you want that? And you can say, okay, uh, right? And then you can say, uh, and then they could say afterwards, okay, well, people who've also bought Cajun food, they've also, this, this, you know, this, this cookbook on, on Cajun food have also bought, I don't know. Cajun seasoning. Do you want that as well? Right. That would be a different way of solving the same problem, right? Or at least it would be a different way of trying to increase this 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 overall metric, which is how do we uh, how, how do we improve uh, the or increase the number of sessions that ends in a in, in a in a sale, if you will. Right. So it's it is always it's a question of of, of you're going to have multiple different ways of solving the problem, and of course you need to pick the one that is uh, that you believe is is most feasible across you know the dimensions of of, of you know customer satisfaction and, uh, uh, you know, tech feasibility and also can we build something that customers actually want to interact with? It's quite interesting you bring up Amazon because I, I need to have a chat with Jeff because my message seems to be ordering about five five things a day at the minute. Um, so whatever ML model have been doing, it's been working in my household. <laughs> um, okay, so we're coming up to uh, probably the end of the, of the question. But just give us an insight. I want to ask two questions. One about what you love as someone in a leadership position in ML, right? And then secondly, if anyone's listening out here that thinks, I like this Soren guy, or I like what Musk are doing, how would they get in touch? So, first question What do you enjoy about being in a leadership position in AI ML? So, uh, I think I mentioned this at the top of the call, but I'll, I'll just repeat it. So, um... For me, what what I found that I really like to do, and this was something that I had to sort of experience, but that was that I like to develop technologies that have an impact, and I like to use, uh, I, I like to take, you know, more advanced technologies and make them have an impact in in real life. Uh, that can be super uh, challenging, it can be super frustrating, but in the end, that's how I've that's what I've found that I enjoy doing the most. And so, um, ML is a and machine learning and and these types of problems are sort of they they, they touch on those uh, on those specific interests. Secondly, what I also like to do is I, I like to, to try to help people as much as possible, whether that be the the users, 
or the people who develop it. So sort of my, if you will, a little bit of a, of a personal mission is that I like to develop technologies that have an out, that create an, an outsized impact for both the users as well as just the people that develop it. And so that to me is why I find that this being in this space, also in a leadership position, sort of uh, works very well with that sort of personal ambition. Um, another thing that, that I've also come to appreciate about it is that you, you can have this very diverse day where you can spend, you know, an hour in the morning talking about, you know, metrics and how you, how you improve your, your ML ops based on the metrics. And you can go have a conversation about something pretty profound on Bayesian statistics. And then you go talk about people stuff and how do we unblock teams and how do we best set ourselves up to support, to, to, to develop something in that domain. So, so for somebody who, who has sort of a, a multitude of interests that roughly or overlap with, with these types of topics, I think that's this, this type of role also enables that. And then I think finally, I, I really do take a lot of, um, I, I get a lot of energy from trying, from helping other people. And, and I find that, um, I don't know that, that this particular domain is different in a leadership position than other leadership, that than other domains would be in a leadership position. But, but the types of questions we're also debating here, navigating culture and navigating say, um, product versus tech and all this sort of stuff. That's, uh, I find that um, challenging and 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 energizing at the same time. And then finally, um, if anyone's listening, they like a bit of Soren, like a bit of Maersk, they want to get themselves one of these lovely cups or sit in this lovely office. Um, what would they do? What type of people do you look for? Great question. So in general, we're looking for for skilled, capable problem solvers. So in technical roles, we're looking for people who are strong technically, uh, but who who also really like to solve problems, who can think on their feet, on their feet, and 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 move fast. Uh, we do hire, and I'll encourage anybody to go and check out uh, our openings, uh, mirs.com. I think vacant slash vacancies, uh, but otherwise just hit mirs.com. That's uh, m a e r s k dot com, um, and and that should be able to easily navigate, should be able to easily navigate to our, our career page. Um, we do hire across, uh, I think our primary four across the globe, but our primary locations are, are in Denmark, uh, Maidenhead in the UK, uh, India. Um, and, uh, you really are looking, uh, I think at any point in time for, for a number of different individuals, uh, data science, ML engineering, but also software engineering, uh, data engineering for that matter, and also in adjacent fields, such as product and, uh, uh, you know, other sorts of, 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 uh, of roles, uh, either squarely or adjacent to squarely within or adjacent to the domains that we touch here today. And just to add to that, the office is amazing. And I've been to not that I'm at the Oslo Plaid's office at the minute, but I've been to one of the other offices and the canteen. I think there's more people working in that canteen, the whole of evolution recruitment It's absolutely incredible. Um, so if, yeah, two ways of applying for most there, awesome food or really interesting, uh, projects, obviously my little thing at the end, uh, the QR code is here. So if you're a company, if you sat there going, we need a pair of hands, uh, and you need a freelancer, scan the QR code, fill out the form that will be directed to me and I'll pop you an email. Uh, probably tomorrow because after this I've got another meetup to go to and I'm watching the football tonight. So awesome. Um just want to say massive thanks to Soren who sat over there. Thank you so much for um attending and speaking 
to our audience. If you've got any questions, feel free to send them in. I will send them over to Soren and we'll endeavor to try and get some more answers. Thank you so much for listening. I think 75 people end up attending this. So thank you. Really appreciate this. If you want to listen back, it'll be on our um, Danish podcast, uh, which uh, the link will be provided. Uh, so feel free to do that. And if you want to share it with anyone, there'll be option to share. Thank you so much. Thank you, Soren. You're amazing. Uh, and goodbye, everyone.